Sunny 16 presents. Welcome everyone to I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And I'm Gabe Sachs. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, gang. It's episode nine. It it's a really mystical is. number. Oh, I, I guess know. I said seven was a mystical number too. They all no, have we, mystery. We made it past six, so everything is gravy right now. This is all the icing. That's right. We made it past our initial order. Mm-hmm. Now we're into like the episodes. Yes, we the should just be episodes, happy yeah. every single episode. Yeah. But. So, <laughs> but. Uh, so, you know, we spent some time thinking about the subject matter for this episode. And because it was nine, we were talking about like Revolution Nine. And we had this initial version where we were going to talk about photographic revolutions. And then my girlfriend and I broke up a week ago. And I presented Gabe with an entirely new outline, which was all about disasters. I the think it's a good this- subject. <laughs> it's, it's appropriate right now. Exactly. Stay in the moment. Ride the wave. Deal with the emotion that's in front of you. Right. But, you know, I I belatedly appended something to this. It's not just disasters, but I also want to talk about perhaps how they could have been avoided. Because, of course, that's always what you're thinking. In the moment after the disaster, the first thing that comes upon you is, oh, my God, how could this have happened? But then also rewinding the tape. And maybe we do this more because we're writers. Rewinding the tape, replaying it forward and going, where was the critical point where I screwed up? Where I could have avoided this horrific outcome? Yeah. Now, this also came out of a list you sent me early on of a whole series of disasters. So I just want to hit you with these, and I'd love for you to sort of tell— Okay, dropping your camera, Gabe. What's the most notable—have there been many drops in Uh, your life? There there have been a few drops, and they all lead to one thing, is I can't focus on anything. That's my ADD. I am so distracted, and, you know, the worst one was when I had my— First, the Leica R4S, which I was so excited about. Okay. And I was in New York City, and I was, you know, shooting in Central Park, and it was freezing, too. It was it was a huge snowstorm, and just got these... I loved it. I was just shooting as much as possible. And I'm in Chelsea, and I'm walking down 23rd, and someone yells, Gabe! And I swing around, and my camera smashes into a building. Like, as uh, if... Like, as... Yeah. Uh, so... I know you're talking about dropping cameras, but to me, this was as dropped as I am ever going to get because I had the force of me whipping around and the camera just went chunk right into the thing. And of course, it was someone I hadn't seen in years. So now I'm fighting the excitement of seeing the person and the depression of going, oh my gosh, I've just broken my camera and I I have have to be excited for this person. Yeah. Okay. I have some questions. Okay. So did you have it on a strap around your Stop it. I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. I know you hate straps. Straps are ridiculous. They're unnecessary. Yes, I had it on a strap because I feel like if someone's going to take the camera off of me, I'll have something to tug back with. Yeah, if no, they just I take you. the camera, I'll do that. But yes, I had it on a strap, so it gave it perfect trajectory to slam into the was side of a, a brick wall. Was there a heavy lens on this that you weren't accustomed to using, so centrifugal force was larger than it might no, have No, but if, if, you really, if I take the R4S... And compare it to like the OM1 or something like that. It's a heavier camera. Yeah. And I only had a 50 on it, but it sort of avoided the lens and smashed the side of the camera. So there were just dings like crazy. Like they were dings enough where people would say, oh, what happened to your camera? Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> it wasn't right. like cool wear. It wasn't that yeah. kind of ding. It was like yeah. loser. You swung your camera into a brick wall. Kind of things. So what I love about this story is that you're so overcome with emotion, like because right. you're an emotional guy. I yeah. love it yeah. that you were so caught up in seeing your friend that at that moment, the multi thousand dollar piece of kit around your mm-hmm. neck didn't mean anything. Isn't that a beautiful mm-hmm. story? I'm just crying inside. I'm sure I was <laughs> crying inside. And thankfully, I mean, then it was, you know, that R4S wasn't cheap back then. Like now it's yeah. like you can get them for really cheap. And so it was, you know, I, of course, you know, was looking at it and just tried to completely get it out of my head. And of course, the person's bringing up the camera because it's like, oh, you're taking pictures, you're taking film shots. And, 
yeah, yeah. And I just sort of hold up the camera and it's like I'm putting my hand over the dented part so well, they don't go what happened. this is what I was going to say. Like the emotions that you're talking about having to sort out in the yes. in immediately afterwards. Yes. Like you're trying to greet and be as excited as you were for right. 45 seconds ago. Right. But right. a pure like thunderbolt of tragedy is creasing your brain at yes. the same time. Yes. You'll see later on in other episodes that this is sort of a theme. There will be... Um, <laughs> There are, in fact, you just reminded me of some, but we'll talk about that in another episode. But those kind okay. of things where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened at the same time. Did you lose the roll of film that was inside the camera? Well, okay. So yes, I did because I noticed when I took and did a test shot, besides the shutter not working very well, I tried to rewind the film and you sort of heard that you know, oh. I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like when you get to an end of the roll and you shouldn't be doing it anymore. Yes. And you yes. hear that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's what happened. God. Yeah. Oh, other than gosh. that, it was a great day. I saw my old friend and then I blamed yeah. it on them. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I wouldn't have turned around if someone didn't call me. That's right. How yeah. good are you at masking those emotions when interacting with your friend at kind of suppressing and masking? Uh, I was really good, but I was hoping the interaction wouldn't last long so I could just be angry. Yeah. You know, why, you know, and first of all, it didn't necessarily have to be me that they were calling. They (laughs) called Gabe and I turned around. And let me tell you something. If it was someone else and they were calling another Gabe and I broke my camera, I would literally go up to that person, get to know them and be angry at them. (laughs) I would do it. That's, that's, that's. You would start that relationship. I would start the relationship just to, just to end it. Yes, exactly. I love it. Was the camera reparable? The camera, sadly, was not reparable. I mean, I'm sure it was. I had it for a long time. I think I brought it in and sort of got it fixed. You know, one of those things where it just never quite was right again. So, yeah. Yeah. The lens was fine. I got the the lens. So you unloaded the camera somehow? Yeah, I think I gave it away. I think I gave it to someone for parts. Someone who needed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a heartbreaker. Well, I I don't... My stories tend to have they tend to be shorter and have less velocity than that. I mean, mm-hmm. because I don't use a strap, Gabe. Oh, <laughs> uh, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I, I two, two jump to mind. One, I think I mentioned in a previous episode that there was a time when I had two Olympus 35 RCs. I yeah. had the one from when I was a child. And then I had bought like a super snaz, unblemished 35 RC. Because my old one has scratches all over the front lens element. Right. And I, you know, even though those don't actually make a difference in picture quality, I thought, you know what? I just want like a totally pristine one. I had just gotten it. I was on a trip to Berkeley with my then wife and our son. And we right. were uh, getting into the car. And as we were getting into the car, I had a wrist strap on right. the uh, 35RC. And so I handed it to her and I said, can you hold on to this? And as I get in the car... She drops it. No. Like as the transfer is happening. I can't. As the transfer is happening and it bounces along the ground, tumble, tumble. And I keep, again, just rewinding the tape and going, how exactly did I screw up in putting it in her hand? Because I can't get mad at her. I can't get mad at her. No. I have to be mad at myself. First of all, I just should have hung on to it or I should have put it in the backseat of the car myself. But I kept going, why? What was, uh, and it was not reparable. And right. so I ultimately, same thing, unloaded it for parts and went back to shooting with the old one with the scratches on the lens and lived happily with it ever after. But most people that you give a camera to, they just think of it as a camera. They don't know anything about them, usually if they're not into photography, and they're just holding a camera. Not really a big yeah. deal. It could fall. So what's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They don't, yes. Because we're also accustomed to dropping our phones these days and they don't right. break. Like, remember the early iPhones, you would break them and it was game over. Over, over. Forget it. Now you drop a phone and it skitters along and it falls in the pool and you pull it out and it's all fine. Right, right. totally. None of these cameras obviously were built like that. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. And then I also mentioned, I mentioned briefly in a previous episode, I had dropped my beloved Lights Minolta CL. Right. Uh, Leica CL. And right. broke the plastic on the advanced lever. But I will tell you something that I think I might have mentioned about the CL. That camera is built like a tank. It is so thick. 
And the right. shell of it is just impregnable. It's like no other camera I own in that regard. You just feel like you could take a hammer to this thing and it would not dent it. And sure enough, it broke on the only part of the camera that was in any way vulnerable. Otherwise, the body of this camera, which was fine. bounced wow. on the floor of the Waffle House in Atlanta, Georgia, because I just <laughs> dropped the it. Waffle House. The Waffle House. Bounce, skitter, bounce, skitter, spin, spin. Waitress has to step around it, and she's got like a huge load of pancakes all up and down her arm. No, right? no. Oh. But the only thing that broke was this little piece of plastic. That's, I mean, there is no other camera I own that gives the impression of solidity of that camera. Wow. Which is probably one of the reasons I mentioned in a prior episode that that's yeah. kind of like my standard travel camera, because I don't worry about it too much. No, that's great. What about... Oh, we boy. talked about this apropos of my bulk loading mishap. Right. But what about opening a camera and forgetting that the film is still inside? This is this happens a lot. And let me explain to you that if someone told me this story that happens to me all the time, I would say, take a piece of tape, put the type of film, put the date on it. I mean, it's literally a seven-year-old could do this. Yes. But not me. For some reason, I will grab a camera off the shelf and go to load it because I'm so excited to shoot it with it. I haven't shot with it in a while. And there's a roll right in the middle. It's never just at the beginning. It's always like, and frame nine of the Rolleiflex or, you know, frame 27 of any other SLR. So that's really frustrating Yes. And uh, that happens. Now I'm trying to remember to put a piece of tape on them and trying to use cameras as much as possible and not loading cameras going, oh, I'm going to shoot this. What we used to do, I mean, I'm really going back a ways, but in film school, when you loaded up your Bolex yep. with a 100-foot roll, you would put white adhesive tape all around the edge and write on it Tri-X 100%. or Plus X or whatever, 100%. which was so smart. It was right. two ways to know what you've got in the camera because even that little reminder tab on the back of some of the 70s and 80s cameras. That's not enough. Nope. It's not enough. It won't keep you from opening the thing. Nope. Nope. There Every should, time. I, I do, however, like, you know, the like really later, like early 90s cameras that have the teeny little window in them? Yeah. In the back where you can see the 35 millimeter cassette. Except, I got to tell you, sometimes yeah. on my, I believe it's contacts, one of them it wasn't all the way in. Oh. And so I had some light leakage, and then I've just put a tape on it. So that invention didn't really help so me much out much that. lately. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. This particular mishap, I did mention the camera that lied to me, the right. Canon Sure Shot that lied to me about how many right. frames it. But this particular mishap, opening a camera and discovering they're still filming it, that I can't think of many times that has happened to me. It's very rare. What happens to me more often is that it'll somehow get stuck. Like, I can't wind. I feel like there's still lots of frames left, but it won't wind, and I can't... I got into this thing with the robot. I don't think I told you about this. Did I tell you about my mishap with the robot? I think I did mention... Okay, the robot, for those who didn't hear my prior podcast, singing the praises and the curses of the Robot Royal 24. It's a clockwork drive 35-millimeter camera which shoots a square frame. 24 by 24. Got it. Clockwork drive, so no advanced lever. Oh, and also, it has the rapid cassette loading system so that you have to feed the leader not into a take-up spool, but into a separate cassette that is involved with this very sophisticated clockwork winding system that the camera has. What do you think that meeting was about rapid, The word using the word rapid there? I've I've never understood that. I think this was the idea, and I kind of get it. (laughs) The idea was that we have a cassette on both sides so that if you decide in the middle of a roll you want to stop, cut off what you've got, and process it, you can take that rapid cassette out of the take-up chamber, go off and process it, put in a new cartridge, wind it up, keep shooting. Hmm. I remember reading, and this sort of gets to the story I'm going to tell, that Xacta cameras of Mm -hmm. the 30s had even had like a little razor blade cutter in them so that you could slice the film at a particular point and take out the film and process it. That was the idea, which makes some sense if you think about it. In the early days before people were used to, I'm going to shoot off a whole roll and then I'm going to rewind it. Right. So 
I'm still getting to know the robot. It's a beautiful piece of machinery. It's so much fun. I don't have any other camera with a clockwork drive like that. It's so fun. I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. It gets to like frame 12 and it stops and it won't advance. And it's making this horrible. And I wind up the clockwork drive to all the way and I press it and it goes. And I'm like, okay, what is happening here? Somehow the film is jammed from going forward. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to release the tension by hitting the rewind button and I'll rewind. It won't do that either. Oh no. So I'm stuck. So I put the camera in the changing bag. Now remember, I'm trying to think slow because so many of these mishaps happen because you're thinking too fast and you're trying to get ahead of yourself. So I'm trying to think slow. So I get in my head, okay, I'm going to put it in the changing bag and I'm going to reach in and feel around and see if I can figure out why it's hung up. Take the back off in the changing bag. I feel around. The film is so tight across the film gate, I can't budge it. I can't, and I can't get the rapid cassette in the, on the take-up side out, and I can't get the one on the feeder side out, so I'm stuck. So what am I going to do? The exacta example pops into my head. I'm like, okay, I guess I've got to get a razor knife oh, wow. and slice the film, and maybe I'll blow one frame, but at least I'll be able to get the thing out. So really good idea, right? Yeah, There totally. I am thinking clearly. Just yep. razor it. So I get the razor. Put it in the change bag, slice, get the thing. I open <laughs> Yes, I do get the film out safely, but I have put an enormous gouge <laughs> right down the black paint to the right of the film gate. Because oh, no. I didn't know that I was slicing the part over the metal and not over where the little, the little chamber where the lens is. So you, in fact, really screwed up the camera. I screwed up the camera in a way that... No one will ever know. No one will ever know. This is even worse than that thing I said about the SL350 where right. you can't see the cracked advanced lever unless you right. like. Why? Right. This is the thing. No one will ever know this. It won't affect the picture. Right. It's also barely visible. Right. But I know it's there. Oh, yeah. And we know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And again, I did that thing like I tried not to think too fast. I tried. I had a good solution. I did everything except maybe just press on the film a little bit to make sure there was air under it right. before I stuck a razor in. So if someone yelled Jeff to you, you would confidently go up to them with your camera <laughs> that was ruined inside that no one can see, and yes. you would still have anxiety because of the thing that you yes. did to the camera. Yes, a little okay. tickle of anxiety. Do you okay. ever have this? Do you replace your own light seals? Sure. No. I mean, oh, you don't? No, no, no. I have done it before. And I know it's easy to do once you do it, but I have only done that on a Leica R4. I think okay. that was it. Oh, and I'm sorry, and a Nikon. I don't remember which okay. one, but I but I did do it. I did get the little kit, and uh, I I yeah, I did that. Mostly Were they no. pre-cut no. for you? Were of they? Of course, pre-cut? they're pre-cut for me. Oh, Gabe, I don't do that. Oh, come on, I cut them myself. <laughs> And the first time I did this, yeah. okay, I believe I've mentioned that I got a Canon EF for my right. 15th birthday. It was used, by the way. Right. And the foam in the mirror box, you know, where the mirror oh, yeah. slaps up against the uh, ground glass, right? Right. The foam was torn. Yep. Now, Gabe, even 15-year-old me could not I... tolerate <laughs> the torn foam, even though, again, it worked fine, but it was torn, and it would bother me. And it was inside the camera. <laughs> Right. It was inside the camera. Should not bother me. So I contrived to replace it. And I ordered 15-year-old me. Remember, this is pre-internet. Had to find a source for that kind of open cell foam. Right. Had to find a way to gently pull the old foam off with... There was clean, no instructions clean the glue. on this. Clean the glue, right? right? Clean the glue off with a toothpick and so forth. And remember, the foam tends to decay and shed. So then right. it was the business of, oh, oh my yeah. God, I accidentally got some on the ground glass <laughs> of the viewfinder. So right. cleaning that ground glass, oh my God, I was in such a sweat. But I pulled it off. Well done. So since then, when the time comes and I buy a camera, because so many of these cameras we buy from the 70s, in addition to having mercury batteries we can't replace, they have decaying <laughs> foam inside. Exactly. I don't fear it. I just dive right in and do it. Hmm. It's messy and time-consuming. 
I've bought a lot of this foam from Microtools, which for those of you in the U.S. Right. is a great supplier of this stuff. But I do it all myself, and I feel good about it. But the reason I bring this up is if I'm walking around with a camera that has right. <laughs> foam in it, it's not so much that I'm worried about a light leak. I'm worried that it's not right. per perfect enough. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> now you get it. Now I get now it. You get it. Oh, boy. Okay. You mentioned dropping a lens. Do we have to bring this up? Well, you said um, <laughs> your note on it was awful story, and you didn't say awful story about anything else. So this has to be bad. So yeah, so um, so it's at work. Okay, so I should know better because obviously, <laughs> as you know, when you're running a show, you're focusing on 975 things at the same time. The yeah. last thing you should be focusing on is your film camera and making sure everything's okay. So we're shooting a show. And there's a break, and in between scenes, I see a cast member, and I said, oh my gosh, we should take some shots. So excited, great. I get up, as I'm getting up, and so this all happens in slow motion, I'm getting up from the director's chair, I am unscrewing the lens from my camera that's brand new at the time, uh. and my, here we go again, I'm ready for the hate, my strap attaches to my director's chair as I'm oh. running to get up. It yanks the camera back, doesn't do anything to the camera, camera's fine. And the lens slips out of my hands and it goes in slow motion. This is a 35 millimeter aspherical Sumacron. It oh, goes no. flying out of my hands. The entire camera department is turning and looking and as shocked as I am and it's all happening slowly and it goes up in the air high and I'm flailing around trying oh. to grab it, trying to catch it. Nothing's happening. It's like a bad dream. <laughs> no, I'm not able to catch the lens. It's going to go through my hands. It's bouncing oh. around and all I hear is tink. And that is the rear of that lens hitting the cement. And everyone in the camera department comes over. Everyone's staring at this lens just sitting there. And I'm too terrified to pick it up. Yeah. And I just can't believe it. I just go, I'm such an idiot. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I'm beating, angry, angry, angry. And I go down and I pick it up and I turn it around. And the, um, the barrel in the back is dented. Sure. And then there is, it's cracked, like a bad crack. I'll post this. I'll post this on uh, iDream Cameras Instagram and our website. And it's, there's a crack, a few elements down. It's oh, just man. absolutely disastrous. So I'm going, that's the end. Like this is, mm. this is the worst thing ever. So I carefully wrap it. I put it in its case and on and on. I bring it to a couple repair people. I was actually uh, going into New York, so I brought it there. And they put it on whatever their measuring devices are, as you know. Yes. And they said, A, this will never, ever happen to you again in your lifetime. There is no effect on image quality whatsoever. You can send it back to Leica. And Leica, it'll be a few thousand. It'll be almost as much as the lens sure. cost. And so I took it to a couple other repair places and said, I'm happy to pay you if you, you know, he said, no, no, no worries. They put it on all their bench tests and did everything. There wasn't one difference between that and they had a new one there and they tested them. There was no image. Assuming. There was no change at all. And that will again, never happen again. And I use it to this day on all of my shoots. You said, I think you said in a prior episode, that was your favorite lens to that's, use that's right? like my favorite one and i use it on the m10 all the time that is absolutely i love wow. it and if there is some kind of uh problem with it i wouldn't know but in lens expert i'm sure would know i'm sure friends of simon and johnny's and yeah. everyone on classic lenses will know that there's some uh issues that's there amazing, but uh, though, that there but was yeah. no effect on image quality i mean was there's not a famous for me, yeah video i think it's either a video or a web page that i saw which shows a lens that just has 
hairline cracks all through it and cleaning marks and abrasions and you look at this thing and you go how can and then they show you pictures taken which look completely normal okay that i don't understand i i mean i you say this a lot and i know that scratch lenses and dust and all the stuff you never see it i don't understand the scientific part and i'm sure again simon and perry and johnny (laughs) classic lenses can help us i was always told that the bad thing was serious abrasions or or scratches on the rear element Oh. But stuff on the front element is kind of inconsequential. Got that it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it might lead to just the skosh of a skosh of image softness. Right. But that it was rear stuff. But you're saying you had a massive blow oh, to the I'll, rear element. Yeah, you'll see it. You'll see it and yeah. you'll see the dent. It's crazy. Unreal. Yeah. Charming story. I have not dropped a lens. Of course you have However. Because you would never use it again. <laughs> uh no, no, I probably, <laughs> probably couldn't be around it. I couldn't be around it You wouldn't it talk anymore. to it anymore, would you? You would say, I'm not I talking would, to you anymore. I would not talk to it anymore. But I did do this once. So we haven't talked extensively. By the way, I have to thank Gabe Sachs for this. Look at this. Well, look what Gabe gave me. <laughs> now, when we were talking about Minoxes, I now realize that this is what you had in your head when you were talking about Minoxes, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, the thing I was talking about, let me just pull one out. The fancy the small ones, I bet. The fancy yes. pants spy cameras, right? From the shelf. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I pulled the wrong one. Pulled These the wrong are. One. <laughs> uh... I pulled the wrong one. I have five or six of them. Okay. Right. Yeah, I was talking about this. This Ah. Uh... So, this is a Minox. Yeah, those are the coolest things ever. Yeah. I mean, they're amazing. They yep. shoot nine and a half millimeter sub miniature film. Blue Moon Camera has started making film for them again. I absolutely love them. They have a fixed aperture of 3.5. Some of them have meters, some don't. Some are automatic, some are not. The thing about the B that people like is, see that little exposure scale? It's it's like a meter. It's oh, a that's meter. great. You can meter and then line up the little claw with the needle, and it's just like match needle in any 35-millimeter SLR. So the Minox B, which is one of the most common ones, looks like this. And it's really small, and it's the same kind of thing. It's got a meter, slightly right. different configuration, right. but similar. Much rarer is the Minox BL. The main thing that distinguishes the two is the BL has a higher quality meter, but it also has something which was a technological advancement on the later Minox cameras. I promise this is going to get to a disaster very quickly. <laughs> you know the 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 um, the classic push-pull yeah. that James Bond does yep. when he advances his yep. Minox. Okay. Older Minoxes, if you open the camera to look through the viewfinder, like you're getting ready to take a picture and then close it, right. it will advance the film, even if you haven't taken a shot. Wow. Huge drag, yeah. right? Gigantic drag. Later Minoxes, starting with the Minox C, I believe, which is the one that I learned on, don't do that. So obviously, for neophyte shooters of Minoxes, you're going to want the C or a later camera. Right. The BL is a version of the B with the better meter and the non-advancing thing. So BLs are very desirable, and for some reason, they're very hard to come by. I got one at the camera show in Pasadena. A guy was selling his father's entire collection of Minoxes, and I swear there were about 60 of them. And every color, paint, configuration. So I immediately went, I want a BL, and I want an LX. And the (laughs) LX was one of the, like, anyway. So I get the BL. It quickly becomes my favorite Minox because it's small, and it has a nice meter and so forth. Anyway, one of the things about the Minox is when you get to the end of the roll and you take the film out, it doesn't automatically reset the counter. So you have to snap, push-pull, snap, push-pull to get the exposure counter to go around back to zero. So I was snap, push-pull, but you have to like do it delicately. It's a delicate piece. So I was snap, push-pulling with my BL, and all of a sudden I see that the shutter itself has actually broken away and is advancing into the frame of the viewfinder. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. And I think, what did I do? I must have started to advance before the shutter had finished closing. And so I see this fragile piece of metal start to, like, crowd. And, it's, and again, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. I was just going too fast, just trying to reset the camera as quickly as possible. Oh, my God. So dumb. So dumb. Like, you have to treat them like precision machines, and I didn't. I go into that sickness mode, the panic mode, then I go into internet mode. <laughs> right. And I find that Don Goldberg, Dag, yep, yep, Dag, repairs these babies. 
I send it off to him. He fixes it. It wasn't even that expensive. But since then, I'm afraid of the BL. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid it's of it. It's tainted. I know what you're saying. I mean, it works perfectly, but yeah. I, I have a little bit of fear now. It that wronged I you. Screw up and do it again. It wronged yes. you. That was it. It wronged but, you. But I wronged it. No, I'm oh, telling is, you. This is yeah. way. This you have is to very blame painful the in the aftermath of a broken relationship. Yeah. I wronged it. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. Um, I uh, I know, but I'm just I'm worried about hurting it again. I agree because I've had this feeling too with cameras that um, that when something when I screw something up on the camera, I sadly blame the camera. I'm not going to blame myself. Uh, so the Roloflex, yeah. I mean, sorry, the uh, Hasselblad that I kept, you know, triple exposure and some problem with it and left and right. I blamed it, put it on the shelf. And I said, I'm going to show you. I'm not going to use you for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I taught it a lesson because this last time I used it, it was perfect. Didn't have one problem. Oh. Same camera. Hmm. Have you used it since? Yes. Is it still in- it's oh, been okay. great. Okay. Oh, I want to mention something before I forget yes. about opening the camera with film still in it. Mm-hmm. Our friend Malcolm Myers yes. emailed us. Did you see this email? Yep. He pointed out something that is, seems at the initial jump counterintuitive, but is actually true. If you open the back and there's film in the camera, that film is opaque. We think of film as translucent right. because we're thinking of it when it's been processed. Right. But he said, at most, you're just going to lose a few frames. Like, don't be afraid to just close up the camera and keep shooting. And he's right. Yep. That is a very smart observation. It's the same thing I had with the bulk loader. I lost, you know, uh, 10, 12, 15 frames of film. But under that, the whole rest of the 100 feet is great. Yep. So we should just remember. That's the way to think, seriously. Because as soon as you open, I don't know if we were taught when we were little that you open the back of the film, you ruin the film. Like there's no like in between. Yes. And so I think right. that. That's really a good way to think about it is just you're just going to, you know, you'll lose a couple frames, but that's it. Yeah, but keep shooting. Don't think yes, of it as like keep a total, shooting. total wash. You mentioned a camera falling off the tripod. Well, this is, um, it's so funny that the, yet another disaster happens with me and a camera. But uh, okay. here, here it is. So when I first got the RZ67, mm. which I love. Do you still have that camera? I still have it. Okay. Big, heavy camera, but love it. I mean, great shots. It was a huge, you know, that was it for fashion. And I, you know, I I love that camera. It's just that it has to be on a tripod. But I learned that a little. Thankfully, uh, wasn't as bad of a disaster as I thought. So I put it on a tripod, made sure it was secure 100 times. Okay. And everything was fine. I was out shooting, luckily, on grass. Um, mm. I wasn't smoking. I was just, it was actually, I was actually shooting on a lawn. You were shooting on, on a, a yes. grass surface. Yes, I was shooting on a, <laughs> on a grass surface. Um, that's pot for all you kids. Anyway, so I'm, uh, I am uh, sitting there and, and, and I have it on there and I turn around just for a moment and I forgot the tilt arm on the tripod was not all the way in wasn't all the way secure. So that camera's so heavy that not only did the camera fall back, but so did the tripod. It all went, and the legs were up and the whole thing. But nothing happened to it. It was just one of the scariest things ever. But but it's all good. It's all good. It's all good, but it did fall. And uh, But thankfully, I was uh, on a nice surface that didn't kill it. I don't use the tripods so much, so that doesn't happen to me very often. Uh, Does this mean I have to return the strap and the tripod I bought you? (laughs) It's actually a strap that turns into a tripod. You'll love it. Yes, I need a strap tripod conversion (laughs) kit. You mentioned leaving a camera on the log ride at Knott's Berry Farm? Okay, so don't tell me that you people (laughs) don't go to Knott's Berry Farm by yourself. (laughs) Um, No. Wait, wait. So what? You went with no children? Let me me explain this this whole thing. So with a camera, with a camera, I'm surprised you weren't arrested. <laughs> <laughs> no, no family, of course. Um, okay. So I am, you know, when we uh, came out from New York, we would always go to Knott's Berry Farm. So I love that place. It just great memories on and on. So I go there and what I used to take with me all the time, digital wise was a Sony RX 100 um, digital okay. camera. And 
I loved it. Very simple. Put in your pocket. Go travel. So go to Knott's Berry Farm. Go on the log ride. Great time. Great time. Knott's Berry Farm gets my car. Go back. Go up to uh, back to Los Angeles. And everything's fine. I go, oh, my God, I got to see these pictures. I go to get the camera. I can't find the camera. It's not in my bag. It's not in my pocket. It's not in my backpack. It's not in my car. I'm tearing the car apart. It's not in the car. It's not in the glove compartment. It's not in the back of the car. I go, oh, no, I can't believe I might have left this at Knott's Berry Farm. So I call them. And, of course, I get a recording because it's closed by the time I'm calling. And uh, leave a message. They don't call back. The next day I call. And I speak to someone, I explain to them about the camera, which I'm sure they've heard 955 times that morning. And I explain it to them, they get me all, give me all the information that if they find a camera, I will have to prove it's mine. So I have to tell what pictures are on it, and on and on. And I'm going, in my head going, Knott's Berry Farm, isn't it going to be like the log ride? Or is it going to be two Western guys, you know, on on a bench? Like anyone right. can say, yeah, I left my camera there. What are the pictures? Oh, it's the log ride. And it's the, you know, the, the can-can people. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And so the next day they, uh, they called me back and they said, we did find a camera, but we're going to need you to prove it. And so I went through all the questions yeah. and it passed and they sent me a picture of it and it was the camera. I left it on the log ride. It was in one wow. of the cars. No one had stolen it because it was later in the day. And did anyone take any gross pictures with it? No, I thought of that too, <laughs> but I think they would have asked me. I think they would have said, oh. oh yeah. So, uh, no, I actually uh, drove down there as fast as I could and yeah. got the camera, and I was very happy. But that kind of thing is my fear because I always hear friends have left their fancy cameras in taxi cabs in New York and never get them back. It never happens. See, I want to say that that kind of thing, that has not happened to me. I have not left a camera on yep. the log ride. But first of all, I'm amazed that you were able to kind of retrace your steps and realize that you had left it at the theme park. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like to believe that I wouldn't do something like that, but I'm realizing... I was invited over to my agent's house for dinner last night, and I realized about halfway through the dinner that I did not have my phone. I was like, damn, I guess I left it in the car. I go down to the car. It's not in the car. I go back to where I was sitting at the dinner table, and I'm like, huh, did I drop it on the way? I I retraced my steps. My agent says, hey, let me just call it. You know, and I think, well, what good is that? I don't know where it is. As I'm walking back to the car, I see... It is on the roof of the car. Oh my gosh. That's my biggest fear for a camera. Yeah. Yeah. It has been sitting on the roof of the car for probably at that point two hours. Wow. And I, I I cannot for the life of me figure out how I did that. How did I do that? I must have I guess I was getting the bottle of wine out of the car or putting my jacket on or something and briefly set it there and then just walked away. (laughs) Oh boy. I could see myself leaving. Yeah. A Sony digital camera on a log ride. I could see it. If I got a little distracted, I was a little caught up in what people are doing. Oh, they say we got to get off now. I could totally see that happening. This show is becoming Gabe's disasters, just so you know. <laughs> There's not a uh, lot of Jeff no, disasters. I have disasters. You have a I have couple. Disasters. You have a couple. Okay. <laughs> Let's okay. Well, no, there's going to be more. There's remember, I'm the one who experienced the biggest. Disaster. Oh yes, I take it all back now. Your your disaster is in the shadow that's of the true. disaster that that's is now true. my personal life. Mine are yeah. tiny little shadows in the world. Yes. Of, okay. All yeah. right. Have you had a camera stolen? Oh, this is the this is um oh, no. Th- this is a, this is a story. Okay, so um, so what happened is we are shooting freaks and geeks and i always had my like m6 and i always had the same this is before i was a, a bagaholic i only <laughs> had a uh one bag one camera bag and had my it was backpack and it had my uh leica and my nikon uh fm2 and so i had the leica with two lenses and no uh, yes, and the FM2 with, with one lens, the 50. And so I had it everywhere. I just always went from stage to stage and took pictures and outside and on and on. 
And I go up into our office, and our office was right by the writer's room where everyone gathers occasionally on that show. And Jeff Judah, who is my writing producing partner, we shared this huge office. So I had everything in there. And Judd Apatow wanted us to see a cut of this show, of this episode. And so we just ran next door. It was just the four of us and Paul Feig. And we're watching it. It is... It is so, it is great, great, great. I, they stop it. He wants to get another few takes in there so we can see it afterwards. I go back into my office. Everything has been stolen off my desk. <gasps> oh. my, my computer, my cameras, my car keys, my wallet, my watch, everything that was in. And I mean, first of all, it's a DreamWorks production. So it's an extremely, you know, tight ship and, and there was a secure building at Raleigh Studios, and there are cameras everywhere at Raleigh Studios, on and on. And I was freaked out. Like, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is what happened. I'm, I'm just like, did anyone see anything? Does anyone oh see anything? Because it was a private floor. It was just us. It was just no one there. And, and so then I go back, and I'm sort of in the days, and Judd's showing the rest of the show, and I'm still laughing at it. Like, I'm like going, I'm still able yeah. to enjoy the show, and I'm still... And so right after, they call DreamWorks, and their head security guy, who was a former LAPD detective, came down, like, within two hours. Wow. And within a very short amount of time, he found out what happened. You walked into the wrong office. No. (laughs) Oh, if only. What happened is there was a camera that was turned, and someone knew someone that, you know, it's nothing to do with Raleigh. But they came up into the, into my office, took everything, took off, and that was it. That was it, gone. So my cameras, I'm so depressed because I took pictures every day. Plus, there was one of the very first sort of digital cameras that I had that yeah. all those pictures were gone. There were two rolls of film from Freaks and Geeks from I'm With The Band that are never be seen. Those oh, are man. all gone. This is a terrible and, story. Um, and so what happens is they, I had all my serial numbers, gave them to the police department, and those went all over the place. And so about, you know, three months later, <gasps> three months later, the police detective has been checking in with me and says, look, the computer's gone. The computer was just thrown out. They guarantee it. There's no way. They, they threw out the computer. They threw out the other stuff. But we did get a call from Mel Pierce camera, and I'm going to put you in touch with them. And so I talked to Mel Pierce camera, and they say, look, this guy came in, and he wanted to sell these Likas um, for $50. So he had oh, he had Lika, a Lika 50 lens and a Lika 35 lens. And um, for 50 bucks, and they said, oh, great. This is great. Can we take your fingerprints? Because we, when we buy equipment, we, we take, you know, IDs and all He said, sure. He gives the fingerprints. They call LA, they go through all the LAPD stuff. And I got my, that's my original Leica M6 that I shot all those pictures. I got it back oh with the God. other lens. And I got the, um, I was able to get, you know, some stuff I it was not recoverable. But that yeah. original M6 Oh my you know, god. So I think you were so this thing was out of your hands for three months? This was yeah, it was out of my hands god, for three months. That's awful. Yep. But you did a smart thing. Okay, listeners, you wrote down the serial numbers of all your equipment. Yes. Which is really smart. Not yep. just for insurance, but for the reason you just described. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, you can talk to the cops, they can match an expensive camera with the serial number. Yeah. That's amazing that you got it back. I mean, obviously it's Heartbreaking. Yeah, you didn't most get all your stuff every back. everything, all the other stuff was gone, but just that, just to have that actual camera back was was the most important thing out of everything. So um, yeah, I was happy about that. Yeah, golly, it was oh, a man. It was a bad day on Freaks and Geeks. Is this show gonna get any darker? This is very <laughs> dark. Come that on, is dark. Wow. Have you tried to fix a camera yourself? Thinking. That because you've looked on YouTube, you know how to fix it. No, because I don't look on YouTube. I just decide I'm going to figure it out myself. (laughs) Um, 
a normal person would look on YouTube and go, okay, this is, uh, this is how you fix it, and on and on. I usually go, how hard could that be? How hard? Couldn't I just flick that little lever in there or something and fix it like that? You know, I, I think that'll work. I've done that a number of times, and it has just been horrible. It usually involves the shutter curtain. <laughs> Not lately. Yeah. I mean, this is years ago. But the shutter curtain or the mirror or something like that or trying to clean something or trying to get something out and then putting it back and or the uh, rewind knob or anyway, I'm just that's not my thing. I have a high sense of my own ability to fix things, because when I was a kid, I would take everything apart. Well, like I was we haven't really talked about this, but I was a little bit of a science kid. And so I would take radios apart and like put them back together and. You know, toys that were broken, I'd put them back together. I'd find a broken wire, fix it. You know, I was like one of those kids. So I I don't like, you know, I'm not motivated to repair cameras, but I would like to believe that if it's something simple, I could handle it. By the way, apropos of our earlier episode, many people wrote to us to say, out of our plea about training the next generation of camera repair people, of course, Camera Rescue is doing incredible work in that regard. They're starting a school. This is in Europe, not the U.S. yet, to train new people. And there's also a website called learncamerarepair.com where you can download service manuals for dozens and dozens of cameras. Right. Gabe recently gave me these two Minoxim, this 35EL, which works perfectly, and I love it. And a 35GT, which seems to have a hesitant shutter. Right. And apparently this is a common problem on the Minox 35 series, and there are videos and service manuals explaining how to do it, and I tried to fix it. Hmm. I didn't succeed in fixing it, (laughs) but I learned a lot about the inside of the camera. Oh, that's great. So I probably have to send it off to somebody who can actually fix it, but I learned what the issue was, which was kind of exciting. You know, similarly, before I sent my, I think I mentioned I got a thrift store SX-70, and the pick arm, which is the little piece of metal that grabs the exposed frame and pulls it into the rollers, right? Where the rollers grab it and then it's motorized. So it right. pulls them through. The pick arm was bent. And so I studied how you bend the pick arm using like they chopsticks. Like you don't want to put anything metal inside your camera because you're right next to a mirror. But I learned how to bend the pick arm and I got it working for a while. Then it stopped working, and I sent it to Brooklyn Film Camera. But I'm not afraid of simple repairs. I think I mentioned I replaced, ultimately, the broken advanced lever on my Leica CL. I did that myself. Little things like that are very exciting to me. I just read a whole thread about, I think it might have been on Casual Photophile, Mm -hmm. I think, or 3.5 MMC, about adjusting the vertical alignment on your rangefinder. And honestly, reading this, I wished that one of my rangefinders was out of alignment so I could fix it because it seemed so easy to do. I'm not scared of that. And interestingly, you would think like apropos of like, you know, my compulsiveness about a camera being less than perfect or less than original that I would feel weird about a camera that I repaired myself, but quite the opposite. I almost feel this like halo right. around a camera that I have fixed myself. It's exciting that I can handle it and that I feel that the when I replace the light seals in a camera, I know I did a good job, you know? Yep. So that's impressive. I'm not afraid of it. That's great. And there is tons of YouTube stuff about this. Some of it's not even in English, but you just sort of follow along the visuals right. and you can usually tell what they're talking about. Have you ever, this is of course the classic film camera thing, left the lens cap on? While shooting a roll. I can actually say, in all honesty, that has happened once. (laughs) (gasps) Which camera did that happen with? That happened on the Leica M3. Oh, well, it'd be very easy for that to happen. Yeah. Because you don't even have a meter to cue you that something's wrong. Yes, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) How much of the roll did you get through? I got through I got through about 10 frames and then played it off like oh, you know what we should shoot those again I just I, I just <laughs> um there's a there's sort of there was a lighting issue and I just let's just shoot it again it's no big deal I just I just think it'll be better for everyone I'm just going I yeah. can't believe it that stuff wow. makes me crazy It's like when yeah. you realize that that you have somehow messed up the ISO dial 
And it's some like ISO 1600 you're shooting, yes. you know, in sunlight. <laughs> you realize at the end of the roll, oh, oh, yeah, that's not going to be good. Yep. You know, what's funny, you're reminding me of something like as I'm giving away a major trick of the trade here, probably one you already know. But if you've gotten to like take three or four with an actor and you're still not getting what you want and they're starting to get edgy, you do another take. And if it doesn't work out, you blame the equipment. Oh yeah, like it's the reverse. You oh, say, yeah. "Oh, you know, we had a sound issue. Like, yeah. you know, can you just yeah. can you just take one more swing yeah. at it?" And you don't want to sound bad, <laughs> right? You want to sound good. Or we had a lighting thing. There was a shadow across your face. Right. Exactly. It's just not going to look good. Yep. And you know, we want you to look your best. Yep, that's a always one. a good way to get one more take. Yeah. <laughs> when you know you are beginning to try the actor's uh, patience. Oh yes. Yeah. When the big sigh happens, that's uh, yes. Yeah. Now you mentioned the Leica M3. Of course, shooting with the lens cap on is something you can't really do with an SLR. Right. Like you'd have to really work hard at it. Yes, <laughs> you would have to work very hard. I want to just detour into the SLR versus rangefinder of it all. Yes. Because you and I both shoot with SLRs, rangefinders, TLRs, scale focus cameras. Do you have a favorite in general? It's so interesting because I think that I love seeing what I'm shooting, okay? So I mm. really do love uh, the SLR. I mean, the Rolleiflex, I see it a little backwards, but I love it. But I love the pictures I get out of the Leica M film cameras uh, yeah. a little better. And they're just, there's something different about it. I'm not sure what it is, but I will tell you this, you know, this whole Olympus OM-1 adventure that you've put me on, which I've become very happy with, happy and sad both, um, yes is I really like the pictures from it. And I like having that meter and I like the simplicity and the size of it. You know, it's the smallest one I have. It's a great viewfinder too. I, I mean, love that it. is one of the great viewfinders on a 35 millimeter SLR. I, I love it. I'm really, really happy with it. So that's, that's something I do love. I enjoy that process, but I think that I'm happier with the pictures and also the, the it's, and they're both quiet. I will say the OM1 is, very quiet and but they but the Leica M film cameras are really like just a tick. I mean that's it. What like about one click. the thing what about the thing that people say about rangefinder cameras of being able to see what's entering your frame? Is that something you're aware of with a rangefinder? Because I don't really feel I am. It no. No. I, I just think that you know after shooting them for so long it sort of feels automatic. It, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, just the process feels like, okay, we're going to get this. Unless yeah. you're shooting through, you're shooting through a bunch of, you know, leaves in the foreground. Yeah. Okay. You may just get leaves. <laughs> you <laughs> may right. just get leaves. Right. If someone's yeah. peeking through or looking through, you may just get leaves. But, you know, that's part of it. Do you wear glasses or contacts yes. or anything? contacts, yeah. Okay. So, you know, for a long time, I was... You know, as a kid, I really preferred shooting a rangefinder because it was compact. Right. You know, it was just so easy to take with you everywhere. It was so unobtrusive. And once I kind of, you know, you almost have to train your eye to use a rangefinder. And then once you do, it just becomes, like you said, so instinctive and so fast. Right. I just find, it may seem counterintuitive, but I find rangefinders a lot quicker to focus. I definitely agree. Than SLRs. Yep. SLRs, like, by a mile. And definitely now, you know, I wear glasses. And so... It's much easier with my slightly cockeyed eyesight to shoot with a rangefinder camera because I'm much more confident. If I line up those images, it's going to be in focus. Right. Whereas with an SLR, particularly if it's a shallow plane of focus, I'm always kind of asking myself, oh. even if I shoot with my glasses on or with a diopter, I have a few cameras where I have a corrective diopter or so forth. I'm always a little uneasy. Aren't you going back? I go back and it. forth a hundred times. It's like I go yes. back and forth, back and forth. Unless yeah. it has that split focus, I, I get, yes. yeah. Yeah, and I really appreciate like a you know focusing aids in the viewfinder. The yeah. Alpa has it, the Rolleiflex SL350 has it. But you know what Yoshihisa Maitani was trying to do with the OM1 was build an SLR that was as nimble as the Leica M3. So it's interesting that you've kind of gravitated toward it for that reason because it is yeah. supposed to kind of give you sort of the Leica feel that it's, that it's quick to use, quick focusing, big bright viewfinder, unobtrusive, quiet. It's all those things. Yep. And I just have to get the right one. Yes. I know you've been struggling <laughs> it's getting a there. bit, but you will. I've been going back and forth. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I feel good about it. I, yep. I, 
at, at least it's not a very expensive adventure, Only it, even if it's a time-consuming no, adventure. No, but I intended on getting one, and I think I have three. Yes, now. So yes. let's just, uh, let's hope we get a good one soon. I was actually out shooting with my M1 over the last couple of days, because you, you know, it's funny, the inspiration is like we bat the tennis ball back and forth. I saw you yeah. shooting with the OM1, and you got those beautiful portraits. I saw you posted a couple of those. So mm-hmm. good, and it got me thinking, ah, shoot with that M1 some more. And I did something... <laughs> Do you ever do this? Do you ever rewind halfway through a roll and transfer it to a different camera? Never. I do this all the time. I've never done that in my I life. I do it all the time. Like, I don't like to have 15 different cameras loaded with film. Right. And so I had been shooting with the Roloflex SL350, which I want to talk about in a minute because it's quite a delight. I was on frame 16, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go, I want to go out and shoot. I was going for a bike ride. And I didn't really want to bring the 350 along again because I'm always worried that it's going to pitch into the LA River. But I thought, I'll bring the Olympus. And so I, what I do is, <laughs> for those of you who haven't done this, okay, you push the rewind button, you rewind until you hear the film disengage from the take-up spool, which is not right. always easy to do, but I've gotten right. pretty good at it. Of course, the alternative is you use a film retriever, which you can, of course, also do. Right. Then you put it in camera B, and you put the lens cap on, you set it to the highest shutter speed and the smallest aperture. And then you just click off the number of frames that were on the old camera plus one. And then shoot well, away. Let me ask you this. What? So here's, 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 here's what happens. So how, so is the reason you do the plus one in case there's a little bit yeah. of difference when you're loading on the leader? Yeah. Because in my mind, I'm going to put it, and sometimes I do three, sometimes I do four. Yeah. Like I have to remember how many clicks. Okay, good. Yeah, plus one. Now, I'm going to try or that. plus two. You know, here's the thing. Plus that's, two, like what's the big that's deal? That's fantastic. And tell me that again. It's the highest. I put uh, it, well, this is, is just to be super compulsive because I only okay, do it. Sure. Some cameras you can't do this with, like the Olympics XA4. Sadly, there's really no way to do this because even if you took the camera into a dark room, if you push the right. shutter, it's going to leave it open. So you can't really do that. But say it's okay. a camera where you can set the exposure manually. I, I put okay. the lens cap on, right? So no Got light's going to get in. But just to be super right. compulsive, I put it on a thousandth of a second at F16. Okay, and great. then just shoot and shoot and wind, shoot and wind, shoot and wind. And of course, there will be a little week. gap. You know, if you're scanning, yep. you have to account for that little gap. Big deal. Right. Usually, if you send it to a lab, they won't even notice. They'll just cut the film at that point and keep going. Right. But I do it all the time. Sometimes twice. I'm actually thinking okay, about, I'm, I'm going to see some friends tonight. And I'm, I was actually thinking about, I wonder if I want to put that in a smaller camera now. It's on like plain oh. frame 24. I still have like 12 shots on the roll. You've never done I'm that. I'm trying this. It's a good trick. Never done it. I'm excited to try it's it. It's a good trick. Yeah. Let's close out by talking about happier things. Happier things. Yes. So you, it's time. Yes. It's time to move Uplift. on to happiness. So yes. I alluded to the fact that I've been out shooting with this new camera, and so have you. So I want to hear a little bit yes. about the excitement about our new shooters. Let's skip the, okay. the, the angst you've had about the OM and getting a good one. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Okay, so I had never shot an OM-1 in my life. So to get it and to feel like I was going, wow, this is really, I wasn't, I, I, when I saw the size of it, that's what hit me first. And it fit great in the hand. And I said, I can't believe how compact it is because I'm always comparing things to the M6. Yeah. And I love the viewfinder and I shot with the 51.8. And I just went out and tried it. And I didn't, I said, I'm not bringing my meter. I'm just going to depend on the meter after I did the battery and the thingy. It's <laughs> very important. That <laughs> thingy. thingy actually worked. Yeah. And I shot a roll and it was great. I mean, look, the double exposure happened because there was a mechanical thing. It's, it's fine. Yeah. The camera itself, very comfortable, very easy, very quiet. I shot in, you know, two rolls uh, through it that day. And I was happy with, with how it shot, yeah, I loved it. I think that would that was a that was a great one, and and very excited about that. How did you feel about shutter speed on the barrel? Look, it took getting used to for a sec, but it didn't bother me that much. Yeah. Like I wasn't no. shooting in enough changes of light conditions that it really was going to affect me at all. So it was fine. It was fine. You know, we shot on Sunset Boulevard, and it was it wasn't a big yeah, deal. Yeah, once you kind of you know, I don't think those of us who shoot the, you know more conventional thirty five millimeter SLRs with the shutter as a knob on top. You yep. kind of don't think about how you have to move your hand from place to place to make that adjustment. Right. And once you get used to having all the controls on the barrel, you realize, oh, I'm going to slide back 
to adjust my shutter, slide forward to adjust my focus, slide even more forward to adjust my aperture. So all your controls are on one axis. And it's yep. very comfortable. And Olympus lenses are remarkably well made. I think it's a very well engineered camera, especially like I said, considering it's relatively inexpensive. But once you get used to that like axis, there's the slide and there's the shutter button and that's it. And, right. and there's only one, uh, like the Leica, there's virtually nothing to see in your viewfinder. There's just right. the needle and the gap, and that's it. And the gap is narrow, so you feel this real yep. sense of confidence. Definitely. Yeah. And when I saw the pictures, I felt it was even better. That's cool. So I was very happy about that. Yep, I loved it. That's great. Well, I have primarily been shooting, in addition to running another roll through the Wide Lux, which is always just this beautiful adventure. I just so love it. Fun. I've been out shooting with the SL350, and I will tell you, this camera feels so good. You know, and I'm really starting to notice the differences between the SL350, which is the rarer, later version of the SL35, which I used to own. The SL35 had nothing in the viewfinder but match needle, and it was stopped down to right. meter. This has two innovations. It is open aperture metering, which it does remarkably well, and it's got the shutter speed in the viewfinder, which I find is kind of nice. So, yeah. and but the thing I'm noticing the most is that the planar lens, and I got a 51.4, which I have now come to understand is very rare. Most of them came with a 51.8. Not that, what is that? A that third of know. a stop or something? It's it's an inconsequential right. amount, but I like knowing right. that I have a slightly rarer lens. Um, <laughs> but in addition, it the feel of it, the advanced lever has a feel that is so like smooth like an M3. Like it feels right. well engineered. I was reading up on the SL350, even though there's not a lot to read about it and one of the things they point out is it is one of the rare cameras of 35 millimeter slrs of the era that has no foam in it it has no light seals oh interesting. it's actually engineered to such extreme tolerances that when you close the back it is light tight wow pretty damn good pretty good so i'm enjoying it a lot i mean i get an extra little free song of joy knowing it's a rarity and that there aren't that many of them out there Nobody's going to know that but me, but it has been really good, and the images I'm getting out of that lens I like quite a bit. So I bought a second lens, which I'm testing oh, out wow. now. Which, was, which one? It's a Rollinar, a 35 millimeter. I think it's f2.8 Rollinar, which mm -hmm. is sort of a budget lens, but it's fun. You know, it was very inexpensive. It yeah. was one of those like make an offer thing. I made wow. an offer to a guy in Ukraine. He was selling for 135. I offered him 85, and he said yes, 85 dollars for a lens. I mean, that's... And how long did it take to get there? Or is it not there yet? I don't know how he did it. He got it to me in four days. Okay, so this is what... This is... I just have to interject here. Yes. So remember my... Um, which we didn't include on the disaster show, but we talked about it before, is my Volna 3 yes, lens. Yes, how's the Volna? That did not fit on... Yes, what are you doing the, with that? On the, Pentac on the uh, Pentacon 6. So I talked to someone at uh, ARAX, ARAX camera in Russia who takes and redoes oh, all of nice. those Kievs and redoes them and calls them their own brand and on and on. But they're really, I guess they fix them up pretty well. And I know that um, I wrote to Graham about this issue at Sunny 16 yes. and uh, he put me in touch with a couple of guys and Vlad and they were terrific. And then I, I called, I said, I'm just going to take a little video and send it to the guys at Airx and just say, look, this is my problem. I bought this one. He said it was fit a Pentacon six mount and it doesn't. So I sent it to him. I sent him the video. He wrote to me right back. And he said, no, that will not fit your camera. You need this adapter. Oh. And he says, we sell the adapter. And I ordered the adapter right away. It got to me. And it fits. Oh, The lens gosh. fits on the camera. So I'm going to use this next oh, week. Oh, how beautiful. Oh, my That's God. The, I'm so happy for you. Uh, yep. I'm showing the uh, Pentagon that is 6 in that lens. big damn camera, baby. Yeah. Big oh, it's a camera. big camera. I'm so excited to use oh, it. Oh, um, wow. They are um, Pentagon 6. Uh, you shoot, and hopefully it works. God. That's, oh, that's been my experience. I can't wait to see what you get out of that. That's so cool. I'm excited. That excited is great. So to, uh, I want to just ask it. finally just about the adapter, because you said it was close but no cigar. How much of an adapter is it? Like, is it a very thin, like, ring with threading on one yeah, side? It's yeah, it's a, a, thin, a thin ring. It was just there are, th there are threads on the Volna that are not on the I see. biometer. Oh, right, right, okay. And so it it compensates for that and it works yes. great so, so far. Isn't that great? You've left us with this wonderful message about hope. 
happy, happy. And we ordered from Russia and it got here in like five days. Amazing. I couldn't have been happier. I was expecting for weeks and uh, it makes me want to order from Russia and Japan and all over the Here's world Here's another nice thing, not photography related, but I had ordered an obscure psychedelic record from a seller in Germany in uh, November and it did not arrive. Mm-hmm. And he refunded me because after like three months, it was never going to get here. It got here yesterday. Right. Oh my god! And gosh. I wrote to him because I'm a good man. I yes, wrote to him and I, I said, please charge me again. And he was so touched. And yeah, I have this very nice, so obscure great. psychedelic record. So things do get here. Louis DeJoy may have <laughs> ruined the postal service, but things still do get here, which is good. All right. It happens. It arrives. So we're going forward with hope and with an open heart because we can recover Absolutely. from disaster. We can We move can forward. all recover. Right. We can learn from these mistakes, learn from these mishaps, take them forward into our life, make art, make joy. Okay, that's what we're doing. That's the lesson we're taking from this. Right? (laughs) Okay. Absolutely. That was said mainly to myself. Um, Okay. So thank you for spending another hour with us. Very appreciated. Yes, we're very excited. We're starting to get messages from you guys. Remember our new email address, idreamofcameras at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also on our respective Instagrams, Gabe Sachs on Instagram, S. Jeff Greenstein on Instagram. And of course, please follow the I Dream of Cameras Instagram feed for exciting updates on all the things we've been talking about. And thank you, of course, to Fred Corey. Yes. And Keith Greenstein. Yes. Thank you our so music much director for the, uh, and our art director. I continue to love. I, I got, let's see, I think I got, did I get any merch this week? I think I got the, the two guys mug to go with my two nice. guys shirt. It's so good. Nice. So good. We're very lucky. All right. So go forth, shooters. And thank you for your time. And uh, sign us off there, Gabe. Please get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. And please go shoot some film because uh, I'll feel better if you don't have a broken camera like me. There you go. Thanks, gang. (laughs) Enjoy. Enjoy.